when the days for Jesus' being taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there, but they would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they journeyed to another village. As they were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, let the dead bury their dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to my family at home. To him, Jesus said, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Once again, my dear brothers and sisters, I welcome you to this Mass. Like I said, the last Sunday, the last day of the month of June. And I know we all have cause to give thanks to God for this month. Even if we don't have something substantial, something exceptional, I think our lives, the fact that we are all here today is a miracle. Don't you think so? I think so myself. And the last time I left here, last year, I told you I was going to bury my father, like this man of the gospel. Let me go first and bury my father. Okay, some of us might wonder what Jesus was saying. Let the dead bury their dead. What does that mean? We shall all look at that in today's homily. But I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you for your prayers within that period. It was a very hard period. And if no one has died in your family, no one close to you, I bet you, you do not know the pains of death. I thought I knew until my father died. Then I understood that telling someone everything will be fine at death, <laughs> nothing is ever fine. Because all we want at death is for the person to resurrect, so to say. But then the view of resurrection that is our consolation, eventually. And that strengthens our faith 
our faith in Christ that after this life, we all shall live again. And that's the consolation. Not that everything will be fine. Nothing is ever fine because the person is dead. But the faith in the resurrection is what consoles all of us. And God knows how to console us. But then today's reading also makes us realize what we have to do as Christians. Our response to God's call. That's the basic message of today's readings. And we have listened to three. The first from the first book of Kings, a second from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians, and the third from the Gospel of St. Luke. And all of them talking about one thing, our response to God's call, all of us. In the first reading, we saw Elijah and Elisha. By the way, some people pronounce that Elisha. Okay. Thank you, Chris, for reading very well today. Called him Elisha. I remember when we were studying scriptures, we asked our lecturer, is it Elisha or Elisha? He looked at all of us and said, whether you call him Elisha or Elisha, you can still go to heaven. And that was his response. But then we imitated him because he was always calling him Elisha. Today, Elisha was called to be a prophet. And we could see his initial hesitance. He was reluctant. He went to Elijah, let me go first and say goodbye to my family. Elijah said, well, I've not done anything to you. I only informed you of a new role you have to play. But then in Elisha's actions, we could see a total resignation to the will of God. The Bible today told us Elisha went because he had 12 oxen, which means he was a rich man. He had 12 oxen, and he killed them and used his plow as fuel, cooked, and then served his colleagues. It was a demonstration that it was a forward ever in following God in his call to be a prophet. He knew he wasn't coming back to his earlier profession of being a farmer. And so he did away with what he had and went on to follow Elijah. He went on ahead. And that was a prefigure of what we heard in the gospel reading, the gospel according to St. Luke. And the first part of that reading, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, but then he encountered some rejection from the Samaritans. Even though he was going to Jerusalem to die for everyone, the Samaritans rejected him. Just like some of us even today reject Christ. But yet, he is so tolerant with all of us. But then the disciples, James and John, just like their names, Tons of Thunder, asked Jesus, just like every human might react to hostility, said, would you want us to call down fire to consume these people who have rejected you? But Jesus called them to tolerance, Christian tolerance, a call to tolerance. That's a call unto all of us today. That even in the face of rejection, even in the face of hostility, we still have that Christianity in us, the Christianity that makes us tolerant upon others, even in their faults. And that call extended in the gospel reading, the second part, 
where we see three different people in their responses to following Christ. And even in them, probably we could identify ourselves in our different responses to following Christ. And about the particular response of Jesus, which sometimes scholars find difficult to interpret, let the dead bury their dead. I live with priests who study scriptures. At table, they debate about this. What does this mean? Some go on linguistic uh, arguments. Does death actually the dead? Was that really the translation? Some go to the Aramaic meaning, matza, metza, that Jesus could have been talking about something different. And they argue and argue, what does Jesus mean by that? Let the dead bury their dead. But then always I remind them at the end of the day, the same thing our professor told us. Whether you call him Elisha or Elijah, you can still go to heaven. Whether you think this is what Jesus said, this is what Jesus did not say, if we get the meaning, that is actually what is important. Jesus actually is telling us that nothing should come in between our response to God's call and our own desires. That nothing should come in between our call to discipleship. Nothing ever. Nothing ever, Jesus was saying. And we could see those different responses. One said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus reminded him of the cost of discipleship. Foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so you have to be ready as a Christian. Christianity doesn't mean everything is now okay. No, Jesus was saying there is a responsibility. There are, there are responsibilities we have to face if we have embraced that call to follow him. And then we might ask, how even are we called to follow Christ? In the sacraments, we see the different ways we are called to this fellowship, to this discipleship. In the sacrament of baptism, we are called to become children of God in a community of believers, living and sharing the life of Christ. And all of us are baptized, so we are all called to this discipleship. In the sacrament of the Eucharist, we are called to eat the body of Christ. And by eating him, become what we eat. Become another Christ. And that's why in the Eucharistic prayer, God is asked to send forth his Holy Spirit so that even those who participate in it may become one spirit and one body in Christ, that we are transformed by our participation. The sacrament of confirmation calls all of us to become soldiers of Christ. And I believe most of us here are confirmed. We are called to become soldiers of Christ, to live a life of witnessing, living and defending the faith in every circumstances of our lives. The sacrament of penance, which we go to almost uh, frequently, some on a monthly basis, some on a weekly basis, some annually, some have not gone for years. This sacrament calls us to conversion, to reconciliation with God, a rejection of sin, and a total commitment to the life of holiness. The sacrament of holy matrimony 
invites us to a more practical life of love and a life of commitment to an imitation of Christ, sacrificing for one another. The sacrament of holy orders is a call to the full participation in the ministry of Christ as a prophet, as a king, as a priest, a life of an unreserved disposition to service. And the sacrament of anointing of the sick or extreme unction is a call to faith in the healing power of God and also in the salvation that awaits all of us after this early life. And here we can identify the different ways we have all been called in this sacrament and in the fullness of this celebration of the Holy Mass. The Eucharist we shall all receive today is another call to holiness, to become Christ which we shall all be commissioned at the end of the Mass, go and proclaim the gospel of Christ because we have become Christ by our participation in the Holy Eucharist. And St. Paul tells us in the second reading, the freedom we have to choose or not to choose, just like we have all chosen to come here to church, to Mass today, is a freedom to respond, is a call to use this freedom to respond to God's call. The freedom we have is not a, free, it's not a call to, to slavery, but it's a call to participation in the spirit of Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, let us always in our lives, just like we responded in the responsorial psalm, you are my inheritance, O Lord. That was our response. You are my inheritance, O Lord. It should be our anthem always in our lives. You are my inheritance. And through our lives, let us see how we could pass this to others by the same love that St. Paul talks about in the second reading. And as we do this, the same salvation which Jesus promises to all who follow him shall become ours. Amen.